this is Bevan. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show. Today, I'm super excited to introduce you to Lisa Snyder, the co-founder of Tokativity. Tokativity is an, a, a global feminist community of active cannabis users, but based in Portland, Oregon, started with real life events, has now become online only because of COVID, uh, but is in fact like a huge part of why my quarantine has been really fun. I've been meeting so many cool people, mostly women, through Tokativity events in sesh rooms, through their uh, House of Jane speed networking events. Um, and uh, even just like last week, I went to their PAX bud tender experience. I'm not a bud tender. I don't aspire to be one, but you know, it's a fun place to hang out and meet people. And the conversation was incredible. The people there were incredible. I just, I truly haven't met someone through Tokativity who's a dud. So um, it's been a really great way for me to socialize. Sometimes they have DJs, like it's really fun. So I'm excited for you to get to know Lisa, hear about Tokativity, how it got started and a little bit more about Lisa. It's so funny because she and I actually met well over 10 years ago, uh, we were going to the same uh, festival for many years and just kind of like camping around each other. Uh, and I bet if I, I, I really want to go back in time and look at my pictures and see if I can find Lisa in the background of any of them. Um, but it's really funny because I had multiple people tell me, hey, have you heard of Tokativity? I think you would really align with her. And then someone else from that festival was like straight up like, yo, you and Lisa know each other. Get on the phone with her because you have so much in common. And ever since I connected to Lisa and understood what was through tokativity.com slash events, I was like, oh, I'm in. This is awesome. And it's been so delightful. And we talk a lot about the cannabis industry and finding unity in the cannabis industry. And what I find really fun about it is that it's like pioneer town. Like there's, this is a whole brand new industry. This plant is rising. Five states made it legal uh, just in the last election. Like it's really popping off. And I think there's so much opportunity in it. And something I really love about cannabis is just how much there is to learn about it. Like every corner I turn, there's just like more and more to learn. Did you know it's not just CBD anymore? It's CB rainbow. They they don't call it rainbow. I call it rainbow. But it's like all these different CBG and CB whatever, like all the different letters. So I'm just calling it CB rainbow. Um, but anyway, we're learning more and more about it all the time. And I'm so excited to be part of it. Um, and learning more about it and sharing more about it. And I'm glad that you're here joining us. Uh, before we get to the conversation, I just want to remind you that Patreon is a membership support site that helps folks like you to support folks like me who make content that you appreciate. And it's the best way to support this podcast. Uh, it's patreon.com slash FKDP, which stands for Fat Kid Dance Party, which is my aerobics class for anyone who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. If you've ever been called too fat, too much, or felt too awkward to dance, this is the supportive class for you. So on my Patreon page, um, at the $2 or $5 level, you get access to uh, my weekly Zoom aerobics class on Saturdays. Uh, you also get access to updates I don't share anywhere else and um, a podcast uh, series of mini episodes, including Reiki healings, um, things that I share about processes I work through, tools that help me, um, and various other self-care sundries. I also um, include on the Patreon at the $25 level, aerobics classes. So it's like an on-demand aerobics menu every week. And I cycle out the oldest class. There's always a 10 minute, a 20 minute, a 45 minute can of size aerobics class for a cannabis experience. So it's more slow, uh, repetitive movement and two 55 minute full length aerobics classes and a chair class. So all of that is available to you. Patreon.com slash FKDP. And uh, just at the top of every episode, I want you to pretend like you're on a couch with me and my friends. We're on a porch. Uh, we're hanging out. You're pulling up your favorite childhood blanket and we're tucking in to have a great conversation. Um, whenever I visualize the porch, I visualize it being white wicker furniture. And it's so funny because my neighbor is moving away and she just gave me her white wicker porch furniture. So uh, in real life and also uh, manifested. And also here we go. Thanks so much for tuning in. I appreciate you. And I hope you love this conversation. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Yay. Uh, I forgot to mention to you, but I'll do an intro of you before this happens. So now we're here with you. Lisa, will you tell us a little bit, just like, let's do business in the front. Tell us what tokativity is and what people can find in it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Tokativity is the global feminist community for active cannabis culture. Um, we are a global community of active cannabis consumers and business owners that believe in cannabis normalization, equity, and empowerment of a modern consumption culture. Um, we connect through creative, social, and political intersectional feminist forward activities um, and marketing campaigns that work to create radical positive change. Um, we donate, uh, do donate a portion of our proceeds to nonprofits um, that we partner with. Um, currently, National Bailout is our main partner, um, as well as Last Prisoner Project. Awesome. And Last Prisoner Project is about um, basically freeing the 40,000 people who are uh, in prison for cannabis crimes. Yeah, um, they are amazing. Everybody should check out their website, lastprisonerproject.org. And, um, you know, there are over 40,000, as you mentioned, cannabis prisoners that are in the United States alone um, that have been convicted of cannabis crimes, yet lots of people are making money from cannabis. So it's not fair. And um, Kiara Juster um, really inspired me. Actually, I didn't know about Last Prisoner Project until I met Kiara, but... Um, you know, is really, it's, it's our, it's our, it, it is a moral issue that every single person that works in cannabis who is making money to pay for their life needs to be activating um, their uh, awareness and dollars towards helping people get out of prison until it's like really seriously federally decriminalized and every last person is out of prison. Mm, I love that work and I love that it's embedded right into the quilt of togativity. Um, tell us about like in this, in these COVID times, what types of, uh, events are you hosting and how can people like basically come to those events? Yeah. So, um, just a little background for anybody who doesn't know, like we, uh, Tokativity has been hosting prior to COVID in-person events since, um, January, 2017. And during COVID times, um, we have been doing uh, vi virtual events. And actually, we we launched Tokativity Connect, our online membership platform, in May of 2018, and we started doing virtual events then, um, although it wasn't as cool as, as it is now. Um, <laughs> but so we, we host a, a bunch of different kinds of events. Um, we have our um, Toking Hour, which is like cities, from across the country um, and uh, industry leaders that we work with, as well as uh, sister groups. Like you were just at last month's, uh, actually you were at our Witchy Woman Social um, with the Glowing Goddess getaway. Um, and the Toking Hour is really like an umbrella for our cities and sister groups and you know industry leaders to sort of come together to talk about certain topics um, that are really up for for different areas. You know, we all, during the toking hour, we also have um, <clears throat> black women in cannabis, sorry, black women and cannabis, as well as um, an ASL tokers group. And so those are two groups that are, um, I would say, new to the toking hour um, and really spearheaded by individuals who are really passionate um, about those uh, spaces. And, um, and that's like sort of ebbing and flowing. So the toking hour is also ebbing and flowing and evolving um, and probably will through 2021. Um, we also have our partner events. We're hosting events with PAX, which has been amazing and celebrating their new colors. And it's really fun and interactive. It is geared towards bud tenders. And that's really great because bud tender education is something we seriously need to be investing more time, energy, and dollars into. Um, those are the, the people on the front lines talking to other people buying products. So it's very important to, um, to educate them about what's going on. So PAX is one of our partners and we're really excited to partner with them. And um, <clears throat> I don't know when this is gonna be coming out, but we're hosting our next two PAX events are on November 30th, which is our Burgundy Moon. It is on the full moon. And Lizzie Jeff is gonna be there. Um, and also 
Chef Nikki, who I don't know. Do you know Chef Nikki? You're shaking your head. I see you. <laughs> I know because I heard the, at the last tax event, I heard about Chef Nikki. I'm very excited about this. Yeah. Yeah. Really stoked about that. Um, and then on the 13th. Wait, yeah, tell the people. Tell the people about Chef Nikki. Um, I'm just getting to know her. So I don't know as much as maybe I'd, I, I'd like to, but, um, she, uh, let's see. Chef Nikki Stewart. I'm going to just look her up real quick. She is the creator of the high end of fair. Um, she is one of the most sought after culinary entertainment chefs in the country. So we're really stoked to have her on, on board. Um, our PAX event. And um, the final one for the year is our Sage Sessions um, Bud Tender Experience with PAX. And we are, uh, we have uh, several live comedians, including Joyce John and Lamont Price. I don't know if you know those folks, um, but they're, uh, they're comedians in, in the space and will be, um, We'll be having them. So it's going to be really fun and entertaining and engaging and you can enter to win a PAX 3 and all this stuff. Um, so we also are hosting House of Jane, which is like you've been coming to House of Jane, which has been so awesome. And it's our collaboration with Women Empowered in Cannabis. And it's for women working in hemp, CBD, and cannabis um, across the North America and the world. Um, we invite all of our, our ladies uh, to join us. And it's so fun. We've got a sesh room and speed networking happens and we've got some incredibly inspiring guest speakers um, that we really need that. You know, like we working in this industry, we need inspiration from one another. We need to be able to hear stories about how to do this because everyone's just doing this for the first time. And, you know, we need to keep going if we're going to keep doing it. Um, and then lastly, um, we also are partnering with um, the Caputo Group uh, to host this raw leadership. We just posted this today. Um, this is going to be so cool. This is, again, this is the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. Is this is the kind of support that we need. But this raw leadership is um, in collaboration with a company called Wild Links Consulting. And it's a conversation to embrace your true grit as a leader. So this is really about like middle management. So we're trying to host different kinds of events for different types of um, individuals, um, you know, whether they're in the industry or they're consumers. I would say the majority of our base is consumers. Um, but we also weave in because every business owner who is a cannabis business owner is basically a consumer too, <laughs> you know. So, um, you know, that's our events. Um, and like, it's very easy to get involved at our website, tokitv.com slash connect. And, um, you know, we also have business membership, which is a great way to connect your business to consumers through advertising and these events that we're putting on, et cetera. And then if you're a consumer and you're just looking to like make connections with other, other, uh, women across the country, um, or get access to our or video library, which we are de definitely beefing up over the next couple of months um, significantly, <laughs> um, then the grassroots membership is accessible too. So those are all the ways to get involved in Togativity. And pretty much all the events so far I found are like either, like they're very sliding scale. So they can start at zero bucks, like the PAX event, like with sliding scale. And I know it's geared towards bud tenders, but I had a great time just smoking weed and talking to smart babes about cannabis. Yeah, I was so happy to see your name pop up there as always. But um, yeah, it's it's like it's for bud tenders and like cannabis enthusiasts. So, like if you want to learn about like how to use your packs and like because it's an incredible um, cannabis tech tool, really. And you can learn a lot about um, consuming, you know, like the, I have actually have two different packs. Um, one is like um, is the packs three. And the other one is a, is the smaller uh, packs, and it's a smart pod. So when you pop the pod in there, you can actually find out like a lot of information about it. And um, this is the kind of stuff we don't really know when you're just smoking a bowl. You know what I mean? Totally. So, um, so yeah, these events have been so important it, to stay connected during COVID times, and we are planning on doing digital events through 2021. 
It's been, I just, I was so excited to have you on the podcast for many reasons, but primarily I want people who listen to this podcast who are interested in cannabis or curious about cannabis. Um, I know there's a lot of my babes from the Glowing Goddess Getaway. I want them to know about Tokativity and that it's a place to gather from the comfort of your own home. The commute is amazing. And like, for me, as, as, as an ambivert, as someone who gets energy both socially from people, but also by myself, it's perfect because I'm not out of my comfort zone at all, but I'm meeting people and connecting with people and getting to enjoy like new friendships with people, honestly, like, and great networking. Many of the people I've had on my podcast recently are because I met through the House of Jane Speed Networking, which is literally just like, it's just like a chat roulette. You know what I mean? You just click, are you ready? Yes. And then you talk to someone and like, I can talk, I can meet like 12, 15 people in a networking thing and then go hang out in the sesh room, which is just like a zoom. It's like a chat room. Um, and you just poke around and then there's DJ Frenchie, who's like such a great DJ. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. The, the networking is so fun. I'm so happy to hear that you've gotten some, some badasses from, from meeting them, um, through the, through the speed networking and the roulette aspect of it. And, you know, Frenchie, um, she was a part of our, um, Tokativity Seattle and, uh, had been DJing there, like at the in-person events. And when I was like, oh my God, it would be amazing to have a DJ while we were speed networking, if you want to take a break or like whatever. And I, I pinged her and it's just at the beginning of COVID. I was like, Hey, are you doing DJing? And she's like, not really. I mean, how can I? And I was like, I think we can figure this out. Like, do you want to play, you know, do you want to experiment? And she was so down and she's amazing. She's an amazing performer, uh, galaxy gal, DJs, galaxy space, Google her, um, find her on Instagram. She's amazing, very entertaining, caring, um, Ethiopian woman. And, um, is just has been an incredible spirit to bring into the fold of our events and has crossed over into PAX events and to Tokativity events. Like, so she's basically our resident DJ. Yeah. And she's great. And what's interesting too, is that I see now, now that I go to Tokativity events, like two or three times a month, basically between yeah. like, between all the things, um, I like, I'm seeing her with the frequency that I would see my friends who were DJs in New York, who, when I would bounce from party to party, like, you know, because I would, as a person who threw parties in New York, I could get into free for, to all my friends' parties, right? And so I would go for an hour just to do my cardio, just to dance and enjoy a DJ I knew I liked. Because uh, the DJ for me makes or breaks the party. I'll leave if the DJ's not good. Um, and it, so it's just been fun. It's like this weird reminiscent time where I'm like living very rurally and isolated, but now feeling more connected than ever to people because of the space and platform that Tokativity has created. So I'm so grateful to you right back at you. I mean, just thank you. And, um, you know, I know you're doing such incredible work here in the space and we need more women who are caring, who work with integrity, who want the best for women. We need more of those type of women here. Yeah. In this Let's talk about unity with women in the cannabis space, because I think you say this so well. And I love when you, I think I heard it from you originally like maybe three four weeks ago in a talk somewhere on a tokativity thing and I was just like yes I want to hear unity in the cannabis space so talk about like unity in the cannabis space what it means to you and like how people best practices for unity hmm. well I will start by sort of prefacing uh with you know my and I you know you and I've talked about this already but like my background has been um you know, I'm an East Coaster, I'm working on the West Coast, there are different types of ways of being in, in different spaces. And, um, you know, I am, a, I am lesbian identified. And uh, that really brings a different perspective into this world, because I am not dependent on what men think of me. Um, and I am not uh, um, needing their attention or anything from them. Nothing. <laughs> I don't need it. I appreciate them very much. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I also don't need anything from them. So I, I can come to the space with that, you know, understanding of it is possible to not get your needs met from men. You can get it from yourself. Mm -hmm. So, um, which by the way, is not just a lesbian characteristic. It just makes it a little easier when you're a lesbian, but codependency like crosses gender. So like you got to get through that. 
right? But also, yes, like you don't, I don't need, I, I do nothing that I do for the male gaze. And like, I'm queer, so I could, you know, maybe be attracted to a man, but like, unlikely. And, uh, you know, so it's anyway, I'm just saying like, like, it's so possible for you as a straight woman listening to this to not care what men think and not need to do anything for their validation. But that's just something we're socialized into. So anyway, keep yes, going. it is something we're socialized into. And I've been out for so long. I came out when I was 17. I was outed by my girlfriend at the time's parents. But um, so I've been like, you know, obviously living in the patriarchy like every other person, but socialized in like, you know, spaces that were way more supportive for women. And like, you know, this is our common thread here too, is that like we have come from a background of, of an amazing um, feminist festival that we both attended for a long time. Uh, I don't know how many years you went. I went 2004 to 2015. Um, how long did you go for? 2002 to 2014. Mm -hmm. It's a long time. I feel very yes. amazed by that festival. It's like, it's like it raised me and showed me what was possible that women could create. Yes. And it is the direct inspiration for Tokativity because it was the only example I ever had of like women being able to actually do anything and everything from like building a massive stage for a, you know a music festival to fixing cars on the fly you know constantly impressed by what women could do and const and often shocked that I did not think women could do that those things and that's really was that like awakening moment when I was like walking up to the night stage and seeing all the amazingness and and being like there's no way women could have done this by themselves like that was the misogyny the internalized misogyny awakening moment that I had that I basically became forever dedicated to showing women that they can do anything by making space so um you know bringing it back into the question about unity and whatnot tokativity for again for those who don't know you know we we it started as an event series um we started doing uh with vision boards which is actually how i, I came up with the idea of tokativity was by vision boarding and bringing friends over for dinner and tokativity like toking activities like you know and um because I'm like a super web nerd, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if there's like anything like named this. And uh, there was nothing, not one thing in Google. And I've been doing SEO since 2004. And I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. If I could do anything with this, you know, this will be awesome. And like many other ideas I had in the past, I kind of like snagged them or whatever. So, um, so it wasn't, originally meant to be this like community but I came from community I had helped to build these other um parties that celebrated the festival so I knew how to like do that and then when other people what other women came to me being like I want to do this I was able to communicate that to them so this all evolved because we created a ritual of getting together every month and a lot of women would come who had never, ever, ever, ever been in women's space before and leave crying with joy about the feeling and the way that they felt in that space. They felt held, even though nobody was like doing anything like, you know, it wasn't like a, a week long um, <laughs> gathering. It was three hours, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but we would always have like either tarot, Reiki, a massage, a combination of those things. And um, and those environments created this unity. It was away from the male gaze and women are just different when they're away from the male gaze and they don't have to worry about anyone grabbing their ass or spiking their drink um, or performing for men. And they let their hair down, you know? And I was so beautiful because what I had learned through the festival was that that was possible and then I was able to implement it and execute it in real time in this cannabis space. And that was new for me. So the, the idea of unity was happening organically just by unifying us away from the male gaze and um, at the time. 
and also smoking joints together, like actually consuming, which has really, really, really been the heartbeat of Tokativity is being consumption advocates and normalizing. And I've met so many moms who, once we got our ritual like together, would make sure they had a babysitter and like leave for the night. And this was like their thing that they did for self-care for themselves. Um, and just by smoking joints, these different people from different backgrounds would have this unifying experience. And <clears throat> when COVID happened, we weren't getting together in person. So we started leaning more into the digital space and um, really pondering, like, how do we keep our community unified, you know? Um, and I think we're still working to figure that out. However, there are some common themes about unity um, because there's different reasons that people come together. Um, and there's different, you know, there's women who work in cannabis and there's women who consume cannabis. And sometimes there's a lot of crossover there. As far as unity goes for women working in cannabis, hemp and CBD, when I say cannabis, I mean all those things as well. There's a different mindset that everyone has to have. And one of those things is focusing on what you're good at mm -hmm. and continuing to just do that and not getting distracted when other people want to throw things in your path for you to jump over. They try to burn down your stuff. Um, that is happening. And it's really disappointing because all those women who are doing those things could just be focusing on what they're doing and putting more power behind that instead of trying to take other people down. Mm. Um, and I was just talking to Kira Reed about this, who has been, um, you know, who's the founder of Women Empowered in Cannabis and has seen a lot of women come and go from this industry because they cannot sustain, they can't figure out how to do it. They can't sustain the, some of the stuff that happens behind the scenes um, where it's already hard as a woman to be a woman in the world. And then you add in cannabis, which is like this like land grab of trying to do everything first. And that if you don't get there first, you have to like trample on people on the way and you don't have to do that. Like seriously, anyone listening to this right now, you do not have to trample other people in order to do your work. You just do your work. You do your work, you do it with kindness and respect and with love and you will go far. Mm -hmm. And that is really what, when people are like, how did you do it? With how big Tokativity has gotten, that's literally what we have done. We have focused on our work. We have tried to be kind and considerate, um, you know, as best we can with our humanness to be, to be, um, and focus on integrity and it has gotten us this far and we've gotten questions like how have you gotten press and all this stuff it's like because people are curious about this you know and we're literally just being ourselves and that's what every single woman should be is herself mm -hmm. and focus on her own thing and my wife says eyes on your own paper <laughs> put your eyes on your own paper like seriously you will get a lot more shit done if your eyes are on your own paper <laughs> B says it like this I'm my own competition I'm competing with myself so it's not about anybody else's race it's really about yours and there will be so many obstacles on the road to success many of which are totally from other people some of which are from just circumstances and technology and trying to figure stuff out I feel like as an entrepreneur you have to be great at so many things not just the thing you're great at but also marketing, but also technology platform, but also bookkeeping, right? Like it's, it feels really unfair, <laughs> but it's part of it. It's like, how bad do you want it? And I think unity is about like us supporting each other and like learning how to mindfully have conflict and not let it destroy our communities and just let it be, you know, a seeking to understand um, ethics instead yeah. of, instead because we need each other so much if we don't unify as women you've said this it just becomes white dudes making all the money in cannabis and that's not okay that's not what our ancestors want it's not what the matriarchy rising is about it's about an even-handed distribution exactly. 
from people who don't get a lot of capital ahead of time. Like I just saw Beth, who I met through Tokativity, talking about this amazing can uh, hemp farm that's uh, fundraising in North Carolina that I wouldn't have heard about uh, if it weren't for Beth, right? Like amplifying that, right? Like that's unity in cannabis. That's us continuing to, to follow through with our integrity and our ethics intersectionally, uh, raising people up and really helping make space for that. Yes. And um, that has been an amazing thing that has threaded itself through the things that we were doing is <clears throat> supporting each other's work, following each other, telling other people about this woman you met, this farm that you found out about, because this is what is not happening because like people do pay more attention to things that are louder and they're seen more and all this stuff. And that's great. But the smaller businesses that don't know how to navigate this space, but are doing amazing things, pulling them to the surface. And that's actually something that we'll be going to be doing um, even more of is finding these individuals and these companies to highlight them and to shine the light on them um, when not everybody might know who they are, but that everybody needs to know who they are. And I think that's a great example of um, how to support your, you know, other cannabis sisters. And um, there are, there is always a way to make room in the circle. That's something that the festival taught me as well. There's like a song called There's Always Room in the Circle. <laughs> but this is what we have to remember and remind ourselves of when we are feeling insecure um, and uncertain, you know, of like where our place is, is that either we, we need to make room in the circle, we need to know that there's room in the circle and that if you just focus on what you're good at, no one can be you. Mm. No one is you. Yeah. That is your unique gift to the world is you and how you do things. Do you know how many people on line are like social media experts? There's like millions of them at this point. They all have YouTube channels, all this stuff. Yeah. And they create their followings anyway, because they pierce the veil through just being themselves and that the way they deliver information. Um, so, you know, another thing I think is really important, I really wish someone would do this, I'm just like calling it out there to the universe, is that like, there needs to be some kind of um, a, a group that is willing to moderate conversations, because that this is the biggest breakdown in what is happening with, you know, unity versus like people breaking off into their own corners is that people do not know how to talk about things that are hard. They do not know how to resolve problems. And they, res they, <clears throat> they use that energy instead to, um, to cancel people on social media. And that actually doesn't really, it might feel good in the moment to like express yourself for like whatever, but what is it actually doing? It's breaking down the threads of, if you're doing it to women, it's breaking down the threads of the matriarchy. You're going against yourself, actually, when you do that. And karmically, it's going to come back. So it's just like, you know, choose to choose peace. You don't have to ignore things to be peaceful, mm -hmm. but you can clearly communicate. And this is the biggest problem, I think, with women in general, is that they don't know what they need or want. And then once they figure out what they need and want, they don't know how to communicate what they need and what they want. And then they get mad at other people for not delivering on things they never communicated. Mm -hmm. And this is a skill I really want to support women uh, getting more of is figuring out what do you need, what do you want, and how do you communicate that externally in a way that other people can hear. Cause that's the other thing too. It's like, yeah, okay. I figured out what I wanted. I need to want, and now I'm yelling it. And now I'm like stomping it with my thumbs on a phone. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, what is it actually doing? You don't, it's not helping you the way that you think it is. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we need to learn better skills of communicating in general, nonviolent communication mm -hmm. and, business skills. Like a lot of these first time business owners, they haven't had conflict before. 
and then they don't know how to resolve it when they do and you're going to hit some barriers along the way and how do you do that like I'm kind of curious for you like when you've hit a barrier in your in your business for say for, for example like how have you resolved challenges with other people um well i'll say this uh the first of all i know so many like men and non-binary people who also struggle with knowing what they need or want and communicating that because like so much our ego gets in the way and like there's a lot like i wanted to go to law school quote unquote wanted i didn't i actually wanted love and belonging but i wasn't able to really get into what i needed and wanted so i just took this surface layer thing that everyone said i would be good at right like so it's it's interesting because it's a lot of ego stuff and i think like men and non-binary people also struggle with that and of course women are socialized never to articulate our needs and wants right so so there's it's disproportionately women but it's also so so men and non-binary people listening to this you're not off the hook you got to do your work around your communication and your needs and wants but um to answer the question about how i've gotten through challenges and conflict as a business owner i always have help i know that i can't I can never see my own forest. I'm always too close to the trees to see my own forest. So I, last year when I was dealing with some significant um, PR issues, uh, we'll, we'll put it mildly, um, I sought help from someone who had dealt with it uh, before and who had some capacity and had other uh, intersections of identities that uh, were helpful to what was going on for me. Um, so seeking out help and paying for it, you know, I paid her um, and, it was, uh, I mean, that's really what it, you need help, you need perspective, because often too, we're like not socialized how to hear that people aren't happy with us um, and to be resilient to that. That's, it's really devastating um, when you don't get your value and you're not puffed up on the inside, like knowing, like I get my value from God, right? Like I'm very tied up to the goddess and like protecting my energy and connecting every day so that I can have a better perspective on what's going on. Um, and so, yeah, just getting, getting communication help, but you're totally right. Like some kind of like watch forest out there, like funded, I just see them very well funded, like people online led by women, primarily women of color, like coming into community discussions online that are devolving and like figuring out like the meat of it and helping people come to understand. Cause that's really part of unity is just understanding and accepting people. Um, and I will also say this, like to what you said about justice and um, wanting to have justice in those circumstances, um, there are a few people I've chosen not to call out or drag publicly. Um, I was asked to be interviewed for an article, like pulling down like someone who I knew was like lying and I didn't understand the depth of what was going on, but I knew them to be a liar. Uh, but I was like, no, I don't, I don't do destructive energy. I have too much going on for me that is meant for me to bring to the world. I can't spend my energy tearing people down and I'm not going to absorb the karma of that. Um, and, and I, I have never regretted those. There was even someone I worked for who was a politician that I was asked to like be pulled in to, to tear them down. And I didn't need to, they ended up losing the election. So, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was like karma takes care of itself. Like the arc of, I really do feel like the moral arc is long and uh, justice wins out essentially, but sometimes it takes a long time. And like, and part of unity is letting shit go and like being able to forgive. Um, and, and also like you can be unified with people in community and never have a conversation with them. Like there are some like toxic, toxic people who I used to be very close with who have circled in community with me and I've just had to take up my space and leave space for them and just be like, this is not the space because we're focused on what the mission of this community is and not on interpersonal conflict. But that's maturity. And a lot of people don't choose to, to be mature. And for me, maturity is just a choice to take responsibility. And so I'm responsible for the energy I bring into environments and like how I show up. And, you know, I don't think anybody, it's not normalized for people to really get in alignment with their values. and make decisions like that but that's how i do and um it means that i have a stronger community web because the people who are for me are for me and the people who aren't are not and that's okay not everyone's supposed to be for you oh yeah that's really well said um <clears throat> you know i think it's something to remember that like you know not everybody is for you you're not for everybody blah 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 um but 
that you can have unity with individuals that like energetic unity with individuals you might not have to like talk to them all the time and you might not be like the besties but I mean I think I take a step back and I think about the government and like how unified I'll put that in quotes um <laughs> unified um you know, the Republican Party is with their way of doing things, even though I think deep down inside, they know a lot of things are wrong and bad and not, you know, whatever. They're still unified. They have different needs and different states that they lead. Um, and their people have different needs, but they're, they have that unity together. And so I think that unity is an umbrella term of a lot of other things happening underneath that umbrella, yet everyone has the common goal of forward movement and, and you know, fingers crossed something positive and a positive outcome. And I actually, um, I feel very strongly like this is, this is very important for the women in cannabis, hemp, CBD to hear that, you know, we need each other we need to support each other. It's okay if you don't personally like someone, but what is the goal here? The goal is forward movement. I mean, if you're on board this train, if you are involved in cannabis, <clears throat> you are also involved in normalization. You know, you are also involved in helping the movement. You are an activist. That is part of it too. So that in the end of, of itself is a unifier. And we don't even all have to be friends, although that would be nice. <laughs> but let's remember this time as a time that we did this together. And it is not all about one person. And that's where the ego gets all wrapped up and like, I gotta be first and I gotta be this. And if I'm not first and you know, it's just like, it's lower energy stuff and it's ego stuff. And um, like I said, there's space for everybody to do their things, eyes on their own paper. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and when I say that, I'm just saying like, don't try to take other people down. You're wasting your energy. Like literally take that energy, plug it back into your personal energetic laptop and <laughs> continue on, you know? Um, <clears throat> also don't compare yourself to other people because comparison is the thief of joy and your journey is your journey their journey is their journey and has they don't have to have anything to do with each other so i think a lot of people get full of hateration and tearing people down because they're comparing themselves and they're a whole different person with a different different dharma yeah and i social media um has and specifically instagram has made it a thousand times worse um there's an, a, an incredible um, documentary on Netflix. Um, I'm just like Googling it right now. It's The Social Dilemma. Ooh, I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard about it. Okay. If you have a social media account, which almost every single person on earth does at this point, <laughs> um, if you have access to power and the internet, um, needs to watch this film. The Social Dilemma, it's on Netflix, and they interview people who made social media. They interviewed the guy that co-opted the like button about what was their thought process with, process with that and why did they do it? And they actually, a lot of them didn't know what the repercussions were of creating social media. They didn't know that, um, that fake news would be shared six times more than the actual truth. They didn't know that, you know, 13 year old girls would commit suicide at a extreme, you know, and teenagers would commit suicide at an extremely, the highest rate it has ever been. And it completely is associated with the rise of social media. Mm -hmm. So, it, and, and, and it is made, people are paid, millions of dollars and have been paid millions of dollars to figure out how to keep you on there and make you feel so incredibly insecure that you obsess over how many likes and comments you get. It is fucked up when you take a step back and you think about this. Yeah. And you have to watch this documentary. It is fascinating and I 
cried my eyes out at the end. I did not cry a lot, but I was like, this is wrong. What is happening is wrong. Wow. I mean, I'm definitely going to watch it. It's so funny because I canceled my Netflix um, so that I could get more control over my time. And because I'm taking my power back, right? And I do the same with Instagram where I don't scroll. I don't let the algorithm tell me what to look at. I target and sniper. Um, but I'm definitely interested in watching that documentary and learning more about it. Yeah, I'm kind of like, I'm inspired to, I mean, like, I'm always inspired to organize something when I, like, when I just make it happen, but, like, a, um, a, a, you know, a group watching, I don't know how to, I know that you can do it if you have your own Netflix account, and you can have a group watch party, mm -hmm. um, but I care so deeply about this, and I've just seen so much drama, disaster, relationship burning happen just because of an Instagram post yeah. or a comment or whatever. And it is, it is destroying our society. It is not lifting us up. It is just surface. Um, and you know, the only place I actually think is semi-sane is LinkedIn. <laughs> it's all about business. Yeah. And so far has not been insanely dramatic in the ways that these other thing platforms have been. I mean, I think because everyone's on their best behavior because they want to get paid, right? Like, um, and it's so funny because like I get way more paid from, uh, from Instagram, just like by virtue of connecting with my customers, right? So, um, but LinkedIn is a really, I think it's, it's a sweet way. I like to use it to meet people. So I like to really know the people I network with. So um, I like, will connect with someone and then be like, Hey, let's talk. Um, just like 15, 20 minutes, get to know each other. And then that way I know I have you in mind when I hear of people in your industry or whatever they need. Right. So like it, has, it has its pros and cons and yeah. like a pro is like direct connection with the people that are following you. And then like, maybe that leads to work, et cetera. And that's a beautiful way to like use the tool. Yeah. That. Um, they just launched their, their shop feature okay. and I'm, uh, I already bought something. <laughs> you did? Yeah. From who? High Society Collection. Okay. So, you in know, the, I've heard of High Society Connection, but I'm like also, collection. Uh, a High Society Collection. What did you yeah. buy? Uh, well, this is not what I bought, but this is High Society Collection, um, earrings. Oh. I bought, um, I bought a, uh, a, another set of weed looking earrings. Cause I'm like, I need more weed jewelry and it is a Ouija board shaped, uh, ashtray, I think with some moons. Um, or you can put weed in it. I think, I don't know if it's an ashtray. It's like something you put weed in, but you should check out our website, highsocietycollection.com. She's based here in Portland, Oregon. She's a, a mom and amazing woman. Um, her name's Erin Gardner. And yeah, I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. And I like bought it. And um, I'm like a e-commerce nerd as well. So I like went on a rabbit hole of like how to set everything up and stuff like that. I think this is going to be a huge game changer for small businesses. Mm, okay. That's good to hear. I'm like, I, I'm like really trying to get out of merch and into just experience and just really laser focused on one thing because I used to monetize all my hobbies. Um, and like, I got really into hair accessories for a while. So I made like hair accessories and sold them at a boutique I worked at. You know what I mean? Like just really every, and every, it was like a shiny thing. Like, let me do this new thing. Let me monetize this thing. And now I'm really trying to just stick to the two businesses I run and like keep it real tight. Um, yeah. and, uh, but I like the shop feature for enabling small businesses to be more in front of their customers. Yeah, it's so easy. And I just want to shout this out for any small business that has physical items. Um, you know, this is a game changer because all you need is a Facebook page um, and an Instagram account and physical products. And there's some videos on YouTube that walk you through how to set it up and stuff like that. Um, and this is something I've been thinking about, <clears throat> you know, on the side, I also do like web design and stuff. And I've been thinking about how can I help more small businesses get into the e-commerce game. And I just think this is a game changer because you don't need to set up your own payment processing. You don't need to set up, you do need to like know how to ship stuff and you do need to like be good at customer service because it is no joke. They will shut you down if you are, you mess with people <laughs> and you don't deliver what you said you're going to do. Yeah. Um, 
there's also a lot of roles you can't sell services and stuff like that. Um, and you know, other things you can read more about, but I was like, okay, well, what about CBD? And I saw there's a bunch of CBD products on there. I'm like, this is huge because even processors have been shutting down accounts for CBD companies for a long time. The fact that they're actually getting on board this train is huge. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. I love what a nerd you are and how you yeah. have so much passion for this kind of stuff. Give me a little bit of your background. I, you grew up on the East Coast. Where? Uh, were you always different? When did you come out to yourself? I know you were outed at 17. What's that story? Yeah, I was born on Long Island. Yes. Uh, yeah. Are you from, you're from East Coast. Where are you from? I lived there for 15 years, but I actually was born in California and just like escaped for 15 years. So I lived in New York a long time, but I was a, I was a real estate lawyer and I went everywhere. So I've been to Long Island a billion oh. Oh my God. How cool. Um, I definitely want to like learn more about your New York city days and stuff. Um, so when I was five, I had moved to Prince and junction, New Jersey. My dad was a video engineer for CBS television. So he, um, he worked in Manhattan. We needed to be like on the train line or on like the easy to access, you know, commute or whatever. Um, I grew up you know, in a very tech savvy household, we always had like the latest technology. I had the internet, like in, I I think we got the internet in 93. Um, and my, uh, you know, we had a satellite dish, you know, I feel like, you know, my dad was always nerding out on stuff and showing me like what he was nerding out on. So that's why I'm like a nerd, <laughs> a tech nerd. Um, because I was just basically like, I was born into a family that like was already into computers in the eighties, you know? Um, so yeah, and I definitely recognize my privilege in, like, having access to these things and having my dad bring me to work on those take-your-daughter-to-work days where I got to see behind the scenes of, like, the CBS Evening News with Dan Rather and Connie Chung. And, like, um, you know, my dad worked on Letterman for a little bit and, like, you know, all these, like, New york things things um, that I had access to. And I had... <laughs> I remember going in and seeing someone work on the credits... And they were like the fastest typer in the world. They were like, and I was like, I've never seen anybody type so fast. It inspired me to think as a kid that I wanted to make credits for like movies and stuff, um, which is really interesting. I also saw people working on the, the, those little graphics that they have on the news that are like, they pop up. I saw them working on that and I was like, I want to do that. So you know, being, having access to my dad's work and him bringing me to work on those take your daughter to work days has been definitely a direct inspiration for my passion of, um, technology and graphics and like, and, and basically making live experiences. You know, I saw these people, <clears throat> a lot of women producers too, making something from nothing, turning a blank canvas studio into, um, guiding light <laughs> you know the the tv show um and i you know it's it it was such a cool experience um coming out um i actually always knew that i was something but i didn't know what the something was <laughs> um couldn't put my finger on it i definitely had crushes on on boys and stuff growing up and like you know when I say I'm like a, a self-identified lesbian, like I'm living lesbian life, I have a wife and really I've only been in relationships with women, um, but I've dated men before and, um, you know, and and that's part of my, my upbringing. Um, I had a girlfriend, uh, it was a friend of mine who was brave enough to kiss me <laughs> when we were like teenagers. <laughs> And we totally fell in love because we already loved each other um, when we were 17. But she got in trouble so much that her parents were super snoopy. Mm -hmm. And they snooped through her room and found love letters between us. And obsessively, I'm not kidding you, 40 times trying to contact my parents. Um, I had caller ID back in the day, you know, like when that was a thing. And... Um, they were trying to get in touch and I was freaking out because I'm like, oh my God, they're going to tell them, they're going to tell them, they're going to, you know. <clears throat> and um, one night I was at a friend's house and they were like, my dad was like, 
get home. And I was like super scared. And I was like, oh my God, why? They found out that I had gotten like a speeding ticket and didn't tell them. And they, and they did not tell me that they were, that they knew anything else. And so um, <clears throat> the next morning they brought me downstairs and they were like, we know about, we know about Kristen and we want it to stop. Like, this is sick. Like they really like went above and beyond to try to convince me that it was gross mm. and, um, and forbid us to see each other. And like, it was horrible because like, if you're in love for the first time and you're forbidden to like see that person, it just makes everything like feel very like Romeo and Juliet-esque. I wasn't allowed to take her to school anymore. Like all this stuff happened. And so, um, you know, we actually, it, it really forced us to be brave to start talking about things that are difficult because we were like, let's have a meeting with our parents, you know, like, let's have a meeting with them and tell them that we love each other and that we want to be together and that they can't stop us. And she rode her bike over my house and we sat down with my parents and told them just that. We're like, we really care about each other. We want to be able to see each other you know, and, um, they still didn't agree with it, but they also said, like, you know, you are almost 18 years old, and, you know, do your thing, I guess, like, they just, they never, ever, ever, both my parents are deceased now, um, but they never fully supported me in that, in my relationships with women, um, you know, I think they accepted gently, but it was definitely something they didn't want to know about, they didn't want to talk about, um, you know, so that's the, that's the bones and the coming out story. Um, that's so sad and hard. I'm so sorry your parents never really found a way in life to be supportive of you. And, um, but I'm glad that you were brave and that she was brave. Honestly, I remember being terrified to kiss people I was very attracted to um, as a young person. So like, <laughs> it's very brave. We made it a joke. It was like, we, um, this is so silly and very, like, 17-year-old self here, but, like, we were, like, um, I think she told me, she was, like, oh, my God, we should, like, <laughs> we should go to, like, a frat party sometime. I bet you they, like, pay money to, like, watch girls kiss or something or whatever. We should practice. Something like that. <laughs> uh, and I was, like, okay. And I remember, like, we were, um, <laughs> when it happened, we were, like, watching our, that TV show, Felicity. Oh, love, <laughs> love, love, yeah. love, would totally have followed a boy, uh, to school across the country, but just went by myself. <laughs> and, like, in between, uh, and during, um, during commercials, we would, like, make out, and then, like, go back to watching TV and then make out and going back to watch TV. And I remember I went home and I wrote in my journal being like, oh my God, does this mean I'm bisexual? What does this mean? You know, it was really the start of self-discovery and, you know, being open to, you know, being with other kinds of people and um, very thankful for her bravery and, and, and mine at the time uh, being like rebellious teenager being like we're gonna see each other you know um and you know and all of the amazing journeys I've been on to to get to this place in my life where I have an amazing wife we've been together for 11 years married for four and a half and um and I could not do what I do without her seriously she is my stability and my grounded my grounded Leo oh, I love that um, real quick, before we sign off, will you tell me, like, where did you go to college, and how did you end up in Portland? I went to, my first year, I went to Ithaca College, and then I ended up transferring to Syracuse University, actually, to be with my girlfriend, and to pursue, uh, computer graphics. Hmm. So, I got a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Computer Graphics, um, from the Visual and Performing Arts School, and immediately, like, dove into, working with um, a woman-owned company in Manhattan that specialized in training for Apple and Adobe. And I did all four of their websites, their e-commerce websites, and like all of their organic SEO back in 2004 to 2006. Um, and yeah, so that's where I went to college. What was the other question? <laughs> How'd you end up in Portland? 
My friend Callie, who went to the college across from Syracuse, the SUNY Environmental Science and Forestry School, um, she lived across the hall from me, and she moved to Portland um, right after college, and I went to visit her, and I was like, oh my god, I love it here. It's so artsy, it's beautiful, and if you come to Portland in the summertime, you know, like once COVID times are over, um, it is amazing. There's just like so much delicious food, parties, like out, you, the whole summer is basically, it doesn't rain here. It rains here all year except for the summertime. So it's, the, the weather is beautiful here. And I loved it so much. And Kat didn't want to move, my wife, um, until we kind of came here and played house. And, she, and she's, she's previously been very much into biking culture, cycling, and, and it's very, very bike friendly town. And we on a visit she was like you want to move here i'll move here so we bought an rv off of craigslist sold a bunch of our stuff put all four of our cats at the time in the rv and crossed the country in like a six-week journey where we like met you know hung out with family and friends i like accidentally met the guy who had invented twitter jack dorsey um in a bar and like had this like adventure that would had a, it was high highs, low lows, um, but we made it here safe and sound. And um, I also just felt, generally speaking, like, yes, New York is creative and beautiful, but um, something was calling me here. And, you know, obviously, I listen to the call when it, it's talking to you, because it will take you somewhere wonderful. And now, you know, we've built this incredible, you know, global community where I've pulled in all the pieces of myself from the different parts of my life to bring this to fruition into the physical. And, um, and, and Portland was an incredible, incredibly inspiring artistic place to nurture things that are odd, things that are weird. And, you know, I was really also attracted to the queer culture here. I was definitely thought I was going to be a, a parent to a human being, but, um, and in, in, in that case, this place is a really wonderful place to raise children. It's just so alternative living um, and supportive of that, that um, it's what really attracted me in general to Portland. Oh, I love that. And I love how you kind of like staked your claim in Portland, started creating community, and then built your brainchild uh, tokativity out of that. I really do. I feel like when you're an entrepreneur and you make things happen and create things out of nothing that exists kind of in you, it's a form of parenting. And like, I mean, obviously that's not to say like, there's more, there's more choice when you're an entrepreneur in terms of what you take responsibility over than when you have a human child, right? Like you, you've got to change those diapers. You can't just like, let it sit in some film. I mean, some people do and they're not parents. But anyway, so all that to say, like, I'm so excited that you've made this space that's just been so, it's been healing for me, honestly. It's so nice to get together and, like, have these, like, parties, like, party vibes, right? Like, even though, and it's parties with, like, very brilliant women talking about shit that matters. It's not, it's like, I sit in these conversations that, even at the PAX party, the bud tender thing, where I was like, I don't know what to expect, but it seems like fun, and it was, like, right after that election weekend and I just, I wanted to be with my Canada sisters. And so there was a party happening. So I went and I felt so grounded and like the conversation in the Seth room was so high vibe and high minded. And it was shit that mattered that we talked about instead of just bullshit, which is like, I mean, as a Scorpio moon, I want people to have real conversations. Um, and I love it. I love what you created with Tokativity. I love what sister Kate was talking about at the last house of Jane event, like just about like, um, you know, taking things away from, like, she said she had to start her thing aside from everyone she already knew on Facebook. She's like, it had to be fresh and it had to be new people because I couldn't have people who knew me before limiting me based on the way they perceived me or what my dream, my, my, my brainchild, like she's talking about her, her work as a brainchild, right? So anyway, I just feel so inspired and supported by what you have created um, as co-founder of Tokativity. I'm so grateful for your pivot into the online space so I can be all up in it and not just like thank you it's yeah. been such a pleasure <laughs> it's been such a pleasure to um see your name pop up in those rsdp lists and i'm like yes bevan's coming this is gonna be amazing and it's like kind of that same feeling when you know someone's coming to a party and you know you're gonna be able to like see them and like maybe bop around or whatever and that's the fun part about our online events it's not just like 
you know, a, a regular Zoom call. Um, you know, it's a different platform where we have like a main stage and then there's like, um, you know, sessions, sometimes there's workshops, sometimes it's a session, we're just talking to each other. Sometimes we have things like speed networking. And then there's like, you know, learning about other businesses that are in the space. It's so fun. We're having a blast and you don't have to drive anywhere. You can just sit in your chair at home and be connected to people. It is beautiful. And I'm just so grateful that you're a part of this space and have been coming. Thank you. Yay. And to anybody out there who's listening, is curious about a Tokativity event and the technology uh, makes you cringe at learning a new thing. It's very self-explanatory. You just kind of follow links and have a little patience and, you know, refresh your browser sometimes and use the chat function on Tokativity to try to talk to them during the event. It's good customer service over there. So it's- Thank it's you. I'm sure our customer service team will really appreciate that feedback. We do try very hard to get everybody across that digital bridge and we do have a chat box that is ready, willing, able to help anybody across the bridge. Yeah. And it's, I, here's the thing. It also gets easier every time because now that I've been into Tokativity events, I get how they work. So there's no more, um, you know, discomfort, awkwardness. We cheer for awkward at Becky Dance Party because it's hard to do new things. And once you do the new thing, then it's your comfort zone. So my comfort zone now to show up at Tokativity and hang out and have fun and have fun. Well, I can't wait to party with you online. Yay, me too. And thank you so much for your time and for being here in this conversation, Lisa. You're just a light in the world. I adore you. Tokativity.com. Go follow them on all the places and um, more soon, I hope. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Bye. Bye.